Hey, let's open our Bibles, 1 Timothy, shall we? We're going to get into the Word today and uh, continue our study <clears throat> in 1 Timothy. We, we looked last week at the uh, kind of this idea of who was Timothy, and we saw some interesting things about him, you know, that he was Paul's son in the faith, that he was raised by a godly mother and grandmother. His father was not a believer from what we can determine. So he had some issues in the home there, but he, he turned out all right. And really, I think it was because of the effect of his mother and his grandmother. He became a disciple of Jesus, and, and it says that he had a good reputation with the other believers, but also said he was young, which is an advantage, I think, and a disadvantage, right? How many of you wish you were young again? How many of you that are young wish you were old? Not old, but older. You know, we always think it's going to be better if we were something else. The other, the, it's always greener. The grass is always greener on the other side. But anyways, he was young. He had some things to learn. He also had a weak stomach, it said. He said he, he, he had frequent illnesses. He was fearful somewhat. That was part of his disposition. But he was a servant. He was called a servant of Christ Jesus. He was called a fellow uh, soldier, a co-worker with God, and that he was faithful in the Lord. And, and Paul said that he cared for people. Paul said he had no one else like him who cared for the people like Timothy did. So there was a special uh, you know, relationship between Paul and this younger uh, disciple that Paul was uh, mentoring but he always called them co-workers. He never said you know, that he was way above any of these people. And, and so we have this guy, Paul, writing now to Timothy. Timothy, who's a real person. He's not perfect by any means, but he was serving God. And, and you know what? I, 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 I want to make application to you and I as we go through this letter, this letter of uh, leadership and learning and pastoral care. That, that our church here, we're made up of real people just like Timothy. We have our strong points and we have our weak points. But that, that shouldn't keep us from serving the Lord. It shouldn't keep us from serving God. And Paul wanted to encourage Timothy. Paul sometimes had to be strong with Timothy and said, Listen, God's not giving us a spirit of fear. You can't let fear control you. You have to have what God gives you, which is a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So I don't know where you're at. <clears throat> And you're, you're a part of this church, but, but you're a real person. I know that because you're sitting here in front of me. And I know that God can use you. And I know that God wants to use you. And I know that God wants to raise up people. And God wants to, to uh, fulfill his plans for, for us, for you. And when I say us, that means each one of us individually. It's not just a one-person Show. It's not a one-person ministry. It's not two or three uh, people that are doing it all. Really, it needs to be the whole body, the whole fellowship. So Paul's writing to Timothy, and, I, and he's writing to us too. Let's look what it says there in 1 uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer. 
The first order of business, Paul writing to Timothy, the first order of business for Paul to speak to Timothy about at this opportunity that he has is, is to deal with false teachers, to deal with false teaching and, and the need for sound doctrine. That's absolutely essential. And he's going to come to that over and over and over again in these letters that he writes, not only to, to Timothy, but also to Titus. The need for sound teaching, the sound doctrine. Why? We'll get to that in a minute. So he starts off by saying that, you know, he has been called and ordained by God. He's an apostle by the command of God. And I, and I think about this too, and, and, and serving the Lord in whatever capacity God has called you in. For Paul, it wasn't a career choice. He didn't look at the list of career choices, you know, down at CCRI. Well, let's see, uh, you know, he went to the guidance counselor and said, what would be a good choice? And then he saw it on the list there. Oh, apostle, I'm going to sign up for that. If I, all, if I just take the right courses, then I can be an apostle and I can and do what, what God wants me to do. Well, it's not like that at all, is it? It's the calling of God, he says, by the command of God, that God had a plan for his life. And it was strong. It was a command. It wasn't an option. Well, I'll give you an option, Paul. You can be this or maybe you can be that. Say, well, why would God be like that with people? That's, that's his prerogative, isn't it? If we call him Lord and Master, then I guess he has the right to do that, doesn't, doesn't he? Wouldn't you think? Anyways, he, he says that this is what he's uh, been called to do and he's going to fulfill that call. Uh, you read about it in different parts in, in the book of Acts. He says, you know, I don't count my life worth anything but that I might fulfill what God has called me to do. doesn't matter what, you know, it costs me, that I might be faithful to what God has called me to do. He writes to Timothy, and it's interesting to note there in verse 2, we already talked about him being a true son in the faith and how, why he's calling him that. But in, in, in the greeting, which is this kind of a standard greeting in that day, and a standard greeting for Paul in his letters, but notice he says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Normally he just says what? Grace and peace normally, but here he adds mercy. And I, I find it kind of interesting just the fact that, you know, we need, we need some extra mercy. And when we're going to serve the Lord, we need some extra mercy. And Timothy needed some extra mercy. And you and I need some extra mercy too. Absolutely we need grace. That unmerited favor that God giving to us that we, what we don't deserve. Absolutely, we need that peace with God. But we need some mercy too because we're not going to be perfect all the time. Timothy wasn't going to be perfect. Timothy was going to have a hard time and he did have a hard time. And you and I are going to have hard times along the way too. But God's mercy is there for us to forgive us, to wash us and cleanse us as we'll see at the end of our study today. Notice he says there in verse 3, he says, As I urged you <clears throat> when I went into Macedonia to stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines. He says, I urged you when I went, Paul went and left Ephesus and went to Macedonia. But he says to Timothy, he says, stay there in Ephesus. Now you could say, well, that doesn't really mean much there, just stay there. But I think there was something a little stronger than that. I think Timothy, again, knowing and as we've looked at kind of what his character was like, he was, 
Maybe he didn't really want to stay there. If he's kind of fearful, if he's got this stomach issues and he's got to deal with these people now, and he's got to deal with these false teachers now. I don't know about you, but you know that saying, well, I didn't really sign up for this. I'm not sure I want to stay here and do this. But he tells Timothy to stay on the job. He tells him to stay put, stay there in Ephesus. And, and isn't that part of being faithful? Timothy being young, Timothy being fearful, Timothy having his own issues. But Paul says to stay there. Stay there in Ephesus. Maybe Paul, you know, Timothy's thinking, well, you know, Paul has left now. I felt a little better when Paul was here with me, right? But Paul's, he's gone now. So Timothy's got to stay there by himself and do this. Fulfill this calling that God had on his life too. It wasn't the same as Paul's. It was different. But he needed to fulfill what he had been called to do. Sometimes, sometimes we don't stay long enough for the fruit. Sometimes we don't stay long enough for the fruit. We say, you know what? This is a little bit too much for me. I'm going like, to head over here. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to do something different for a while because I don't really want to stay here. And sometimes we don't stay long enough to get to the point where God brings kind of a breakthrough and a, and a, a pouring out of the fruit. You know, when you grow things, it takes a long time for that fruit to come up. It doesn't. You put the seed in the ground and then like tomorrow it's there with fruit. No, there's all these stages that got to go through, all, these, all this work that has to go into it. Part of being faithful. Sometimes we don't stay there long enough for the fruit. Paul said in the book of Galatians, you know, that you need to stay there. You need to stay strong and keep at it. And God will bring the harvest in, in His time. I don't know about you, but sometimes I want to run. I want to go. Where? Then I say, where am I going to go? You know? Like uh, they said to Jesus, to whom shall we go? Where, where else can I go? And then I go, yeah, that's not a very good idea. I guess I better stay. Or sometimes we do run. You think about a guy named Jonah. Once we get through the book of 1 Timothy, we're going to be studying the book of Jonah. And Jonah was a guy that ran, didn't he? I've been uh, teaching this study on Jonah with the uh, kids over at the school. And uh, we looked at this uh, on Friday. Jonah ends up, <clears throat> he ends up okay, but he has to go through a lot of stuff to get there, right? Ends up in the belly of a fish. He ends up as fish vomit. Really, that's what happened. It says the fish vomited him up onto the ground, onto the dry land. I don't know about you, but that's not a very pretty picture. Paul said to Timothy, stay there. And, and sometimes you and I need to realize that God wants us to stay put and wait to see what God is going to do and be faithful. Elijah, the prophet, he had been through a bunch of different things and God was leading him and directing him. But at one point in time, it says in 1 First, First Kings 17, God said to Elijah, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. He told him to go to this place and stay there. And then you can read the rest of the story. Incredible stuff happened. 
because he went and did what God wanted him to do, and you and I sometimes need to stay. So he's there now in this city of Ephesus, and what does Paul want him to do? He wants him to deal with these false teachers, with the false doctrines. Look what it says there. He said, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer. Go there so that you, so that you may command. And, and uh, you know what? It was a problem there. And you say, is it a problem today? I think it is a problem today. False teachers and false doctrine. This is what Paul wants Timothy to deal with. And he speaks about it over and over and over again. It was a problem. It was a problem then. It's a problem now. Turn ahead to 1 Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> we'll get to this uh, at some point in time later, but we can look at it now. There in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, The Spirit clearly says that in later times... Some versions call it latter times. Some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. He talks about some of the things that they were into at that point in time. We'll get to that later. But notice he says that the Spirit clearly says, Paul was hearing from the Spirit of God that, you know, there's going to be a problem. There was a problem then, and there's going to be a problem later, and there's a problem today as well. But notice where some of these teachings come from. They, they come from deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. The, that, you know, false teaching has got like a demonic foundation to it. Timothy, he's told, he's told to stand up for the truth and to stand up for sound doctrine there he says, I want, you to command, I, I want you to command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer. He, he had to take a strong stand. He had to be bold. And again, as you keep in the context of who this guy Timothy was, that that was probably not an easy thing for him to do. To go and face off these people, these certain men, specific people he had to deal with. You know, ministry would be wonderful if it wasn't that we had to deal with people, right? But that's what it's all about. It's dealing with, with you and I. We're people. We're real people just like Timothy was. And he's told to stand up for the truth, stand up for sound doctrine. Now, thinking about this city of Ephesus for a moment here, I, I find it very interesting because Paul, on his second missionary, uh, missionary journey in the, in, in the book of Acts chapter 18, Paul goes to Ephesus for the first time, Right? But then on his third journey, he goes back to the city of Ephesus and, and he, teaches, he ends up staying there for three years, teaching there for three years. Now, can you imagine like if Paul the Apostle came here and taught here for three years? Like that would be incredible, wouldn't it? I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, there is some issue about whether he was kind of like hard to look at. And I know you can relate to that here. <laughs> but still, he was Paul the Apostle, and he, had, he was able to teach them for three years. After that, 
he left and he did some more things, but he was heading back. He was heading back to end his third journey there. And he says, you know what? I don't want to go back to Ephesus right now because I'd have to stay there too long. So he, what he did, he called for the elders, the leaders of that church in Ephesus that he'd been there for three years, right? I'm setting the stage for you here. Listen carefully. For three years, and he says, I want to meet with you and I want to tell you some things. So I want you to turn with me back to Acts chapter uh, 20 and see what he says there. <clears throat> Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 to these people, these leaders in Ephesus. Now keep in mind, this is before Timothy is there. And before Paul is telling Timothy about certain men. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Paul speaking again to the leaders of this church in Ephesus. Paul says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He said, Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. That's a pretty serious responsibility, isn't it? But look what he says in verse 29. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Paul you know, he'd been there again. He, he was all through this three year period. He was warning them, watch out. You've got to be on your guard. You've got to be careful. There will be people that rise up. And he gives us some of the reasons that this happens. Where these false teachers come from, what what they were wanting to do. Notice uh, he says there in verse um, 30. It says that even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. One of the main reasons is they want people to follow them rather than follow Jesus. They like the position. They like the authority. They like this ego thing. They want to have these followers. And so they'll say anything and do anything. And again, as we read earlier about it being demonically inspired to get this kind of thing happening for them. They'll distort the truth, he says there. But Paul's very clear, and again, he, he didn't pull any punches. He says they're like wolves. Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Now, do they come in with their wolf costume on? Or do they come in with like a sheep costume on? You think about that. They're not going to come and announce, well, I'm a wolf here and I want people to follow me, so I'm going to come in, I'm going to distort the truth, and I'm going to try to get... Uh, stuff happening, and I'm going to stir things up. I'm going to make problems for all of you. I've never seen someone come in and say all those things. But in being here, you know, 25 years, have I seen people come in and, and start to stir up things and do things? Yeah. Watch out, he said. Be on your guard. The second passage about this in 2 Peter. Turn with me to near the end of the New Testament there, 2 Peter chapter 2. Peter deals with it as well. He gives some more indication of what it's all about, 2 Peter chapter 2. So we have Paul dealing with it. We have Peter dealing with it. Jesus spoke about it over and over again. 
2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Among you. Notice he says, that's what Paul was saying too. He said, they will secretly introduce. Again, they don't just come in and say, I'm going to bring a heresy in. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. And this is the clincher here. He says, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. They get away from the truth of who Jesus is. Denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. They get away from the truth of the cross. The truth of what our salvation is based upon. Over and over. That's, it, always, it always gets to that in cults and any kind of deviation. It always gets into the, the heart of it. Always, get, always gets to who Jesus is and what he came to do and, and what he did. They start to distort that and go away from that. Well, some of them, they say, well, it's Jesus plus this. Or Jesus, you've got to take away this part. We'll get to that in a minute. Look at verse 2. He says, many, many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them. And their destruction has not been sleeping. In other words, their time will come. But notice that one, another one of their motivations. What is it? Greed. Another one of their motiv motivations is greed. Not only do they want people to follow after them and the ad adoration, that kind of thing, but this greed too, they want the money that comes from it. And I, you don't have to look too far to see that on the landscape. And since I've been a believer, I've seen it over and over. So many of these, these uh, so-called prophets, so-called teachers, so-called evangelists, so-called whatever, apostles. And yet, you know, they have uh, these mansions. And they have boats and planes and every other imaginable thing. Where are they getting all that money? Now, I inherited my airplane. In the boat, I got that. Oh, I, don't have a I don't have a boat or an airplane. Huh? Yard sale. Yard sale, yeah. That's where I buy all my good stuff. Now, is it wrong to have a boat or an airplane or a house or a mansion? No, it's not. But you see here, they had this motivation was, you know what? This is pretty good. If I just ask in a certain way, if I just drill the people, if I get them to pitch in, and, and you know what, then I'm just going to like skim. I'm just going to get what I need. And, 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 and some of these guys are doing that, and they're doing it today. They did it back then. Peter talked about it. They're doing it today as well. When it gets to be all about the money, well, we're going to take our third offering today. Because I need some help to pay for, uh, you know, my latest toy or whatever. Go the other direction, please. That's what he's saying. That's what Paul is saying. Be on your guard. Be careful. Watch out. Open your eyes to see that, you know, this is reality. Well, you know, but I thought the Christian church was like this perfect organization. And if I join it, everything is wonderful in there. Yeah, but the problem is we're still people. 
We're still human beings. We're still sinners. And where people are, there's going to be problems. And that's what happens. And some of these people who have not really, you know, they found a, they found a good opportunity, a good way to kind of make a good living. Well, it's not a good living, really. Watch out. Be on your guard. And I want to say watch out and be on your guard even here. And I've said this before because, you know, just because we've been doing this a long time doesn't mean that we're immune from error. And I've said this before. If I ever start teaching some weird, crazy things like that Paul's talking about here in 1 Timothy and Peter's talking about, go the other way. It's not about a person. It's not about, you know, you're, that you're tied to a person. It's about being tied to the truth. And you go where the truth is, you see. And if someone starts, whether it's me or anybody else, starts going off into some weird, strange, unusual things, go the other way. Be careful. Watch out. You might have to speak to it, yes. But in the end, you might have to make a change. Now, am I saying for you to all leave? No, because you know, our heart is really to follow the truth. Let's turn back to 1 Timothy <clears throat> and to teach what the Word of God has to say. But you need to be, be on guard and watching out. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4, he says that uh, you know, to command those certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. And these promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith. Be on guard to those that would add to the truth. These myths, these stories, we read it, stories that they made up themselves. Some of these guys have had some pretty incredible imaginations. You know, Joseph Smith, I, I don't have a bunch of details, facts, and, and figures for you today, but Joseph Smith, he came up with, you know, these glasses that he put on and came up with these writings and, and comes up with the Book of Mormon. And you can read about how that came about. It's, it's fanciful, if I can use that word. That's a fancy word. Fanciful. <laughs> can come up with these myths and stories. I could come up with all kinds of stuff. And, and it, it just gets weird. You know, if it sounds weird, it probably is weird. <laughs> but you know, because you trust a person, because you know a person, well, that's starting to sound a little bit weird. But I love you, so I'm going to stick with you. And, and uh, here's my, you know, my next gift. Watch out. Watch out. That's what he says. When they add to the truth. Paul tells Timothy later, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. He says in 2 Timothy, the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead... To suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So that's in 2 Timothy 4. You can read that. 
the thing about it is it's not just the problem is not just the teachers, right? The problem, Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, the verses I just read, is that the people are also the problem as well. You and I, we like to hear certain things. Well, you know, I've got this itch in my ear, and if you just kind of say those right cool things, even though they might be weird and, and not biblical at all, but if you kind of say those things, it kind of scratches this itch in my ear. Go ahead, scratch your ear right now. See? says to suit their own desires. He says the time will come men will not put up with sound doctrine to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. You see, you and I need to be on our guard as well. You can't just say, well, that guy is the teacher. That guy is the pastor. So I've got to listen to everything they have to say. No, you need to know what the Bible says. And then compare. You know, I find it pretty interesting that, you know, the health and wealth prosperity gospel that's being preached, and many of these are the guys that are very healthy and, well, maybe not healthy, very wealthy and prosperous. But you know, if I tell you, you know what? If you follow Jesus you are going to be driving a Cadillac. If you follow Jesus, you are never going to be sick again. You are going to be so prosperous. Everything is going to go well for you. You're going to go, yeah, yeah, that's what I want. And then I'm going to say, okay, here's the offering bag. Put money in there. This is, the, this is how we're going to get there. You keep helping me out. I'm going to keep helping you out. We're going to get there. You know what? It's hogwash. We like to hear certain things. Well, if, if I just told you, you know, that, that, you know what, being a Christian is the most easiest thing in the whole wide world. Just give your life to Jesus and nothing will ever go wrong in your life ever again. Isn't that, wouldn't you like to hear that? I could start teaching all kinds of these things and, and, and build up your egos and your self-esteem and all that stuff and, and uh, pro make you promises that will build up your bank account and all this stuff, and then what? Be careful. Sometimes we should say, well, God, what is it that I don't want to hear that I need to hear? What is it that... that that you're trying to say that, that maybe I need, I need to grow in. So you got guys that add to the truth. you got guys that subtract from the truth. And, and not just guys, teachers, men and women, teachers who take away from the truth. Well, I don't really like that part, so I'm going to take that part out. This all is part of this whole package, right? Thomas Jefferson, he, you know, he didn't like a whole bunch of the stuff in the Bible, especially the miraculous, he said, well, I'm just going to cut that part out. Let me get to my scissors. Problem is, you start cutting out this thing, when you cut out that thing, and pretty soon you got, you know, you got this whole mess. How can you make sense of any of it? You got people who delight in controversy. They, they like the arguments. They like stirring thing up, things up. Another thing, you got people that claim they have special knowledge. 
You've got to watch out for that. When someone comes along and they say, you know what? We have a new revelation on this. We got a new take on this. God showed me something very new and unique about this truth. And then they start to unfold and unwrap this thing and you go like, where did that come from? No one else understands it like we do. You know, we start to get the group together and we all get, you know, you know, we, we are a special group. There's no group out there that really understands this truth, truth like, like we do. Whoa. Well, that makes me feel pretty good, you know. We, we got some special truth. Watch out. Watch out. If you hear me start saying something like that, watch out. You know, we have a history of the Christian faith that, that's based upon truth, and you can go back and study. If you come up with something that no one else agrees with, that's never been backed up in all the history of how many thousands of years of the church now, well, it probably is weird. It probably is off base, probably is from some other planet or some demon, demonic source. <clears throat> I read, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff, and I read a lot of commentaries. And one of the reasons that, that you know, it's good to read commentaries, though, you, you, you know, if you just repeat what someone else says, that's one thing. But to, to actually read a commentary to find out, make sure that what you're thinking isn't some weird, off-base, you know, thing. Not that you're going to agree with everybody about everything, but, but you've heard about the Gnostics. And that word Gnostic, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, that's, a, that's about knowledge, and that's what their whole deal was, and that was what they were dealing with back then, and it's still true today with, with in, in different names. They don't call it that, but the word Gnostic means knowledge, that we have this special knowledge. Let's finish up in verse 5. I hear those donuts calling me. He says, the goal of this command is love. The command that he said to Timothy, listen, you need to stop, you need to stop this false doctrine, false teaching. Because it's taking you off course. It's taking you into all sorts of weird stuff. He says, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. When we get away from the simple truth of the gospel, the simple truth of the love that God has for you and for me. We're in trouble. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, You know this passage, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. He said these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. This love, this love, that God has for us, this love that we have for Him, this love that we have for one another. The main thing needs to be the main thing. Going off false teaching goes off into all the, 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 the side roads, these side paths, and we miss the main teaching. That We need to love God with, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And we need to love one another, love our neighbor as ourselves. Why? Because He first loved us. The goal of this command is love. Not how clever we can be, not how smart we can be. He says, from a pure heart, 
that, that we, have, we have our hearts purified. We have our, our hearts cleansed, the deepest parts of us, God working in our hearts, that our consciences are cleansed. Paul says later, look down to verse 19. He says, holding on to faith and a good conscience, and some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And this word for sincere is speaking about not being hypocritical. In other words, not a, a show, not an act. Is it always easy? Like the guy in, in the Gospels, he says, I believe, help my unbelief. No, it's, but be sincere, be real, be true. Don't put on something that you don't really have. I don't need it. You don't need it. You don't need me to get up here and pretend to be Mr. Super Spiritual. Because what good would that do? But that's what some of these false teachers pretty much did all the time. Let's close with uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. And uh, read what it says there. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. <clears throat> Hebrews, James, Peter, John, Jude, Hebrews chapter 10. It says in verse 22, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We need our hearts cleansed, sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, and holding on to that hope that we profess with a, a sincere heart, a excuse me, sincere faith. Let's pray together, shall we? Father in heaven, we thank you for the love that you have for us. And Father, that uh, we would always focus on you because you so loved us that you gave your son. And we don't ever want to deny that sovereign Lord who bought us, the Savior, Jesus. That we would always keep in mind that amazing grace that you gave your life for us, Jesus, because you loved us. And Lord, we love you in return. We give you our hearts, we give you our lives that, that we might follow you despite the difficulties of this life. Lord, I pray you'd help each one of us to fulfill that calling that you have and to find out what you took hold of us for and complete it and to fulfill it. Father, I, I pray for our church that you would uh, strengthen us in the faith, strengthen us in the truth, that we might just be your servants, that's all. Not masters, but servants, and serve you. We pray for our state, we pray for our families, our friends, and our neighbors that don't know you. It's, it's almost overwhelming. There's so many around us that, that don't have a clue about who you are, Lord. We pray that that you would open eyes, open hearts to hear the gospel of Jesus. And then I pray, Lord, you'd give us boldness to let, them, let people know what that is. That Jesus, you died for our sins, that you rose from the dead. 
And you give us life if we all we have to do is ask you for it. Father, thank you for, for all you've done for us. I pray for any here this morning maybe that have never surrendered to Jesus. And maybe today is your day that, that you are ready just to say, Jesus, please come into my life. Save me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I want to follow you. I want to go to heaven. I want all my sins forgiven forever. Simply cry out to him now. Don't, don't wait another day. Don't wait another minute. Get right with God. Please get right with God today. Father, you see our hearts. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.